All right, my friends. Well, we're going to begin with the Lord's Prayer. And it goes like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Later traditions added a known Jewish add-on to prayers in the ancient world, which went like this. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. This prayer is known as the most unifying prayer in Christian history. Between the Eastern and Western worlds, this prayer, the words of Jesus himself, is known to be a prayer that has unified the church at large. I believe this prayer is foundational for our world today. We believe as a team that this prayer anchors us, grounds us on what we need to not only pray out loud externally, but what we need to apply internally. The pattern of this prayer is fascinating. This prayer is uh, known to have all sorts of nuances, and that's why in this new series, we're going to go through this prayer phrase by phrase. But before we do the first phrase today, I want to give a little bit of context to the cultural nuances of this prayer. This prayer was prayed by Jesus alongside his disciples, the earliest known students of Jesus, who could have asked anything of Jesus, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer oftentimes uh, is not only something we speak outwardly, it's something we learn to apply inwardly. It's not only words spoken by one of us or all of us together, But prayer is also an inward transformation of the heart. It's the renewing of our mind. That's where we get the idea of listening prayer. Not only are we speaking things, crying out to the God that we love, worship, and serve, the one true God, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but we also learn to listen and be tuned in to the heart of God, to the presence of God to encounter Jesus in God's presence and learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Prayer oftentimes doesn't necessarily promise to transform our circumstances. Prayer oftentimes transforms us in the middle of our circumstances. And so throughout the last two millennia, early students of Jesus, the earliest known Christians, prayed this prayer several times a day. Oftentimes it was prayed two to three times per day. Every gathering they had, they prayed the Lord's 
prayer. Literally every gathering they had. It was actually known to be a part of the early catechisms of training and discipling people in the way of Christ, in his words, his actions, to know Jesus, to understand who he is, the character of God, and what God is calling his people to. So this prayer was more than just a prayer. It was actually a pathway for discipleship. This prayer shaped God's people and continues to do so all around the world. Many times people are praying this prayer in the underground churches of China and North Africa, throughout South America and Central America, throughout the United States, and even right here in Charlotte. God can shape us and wants to shape us through this prayer. This prayer is, is, is known to, to uh, be so, so significant that it was actually translated in different ways in the early church. It's fascinating to me that we, we look at the Gospel of Luke where this prayer is laid out. And Luke was a doctor. Uh, Luke uh, was, was uh, uh, called to, to, to share the good news, the Gospel of Jesus, in a wider context among Gentiles and the Palestinian world at large. And so he translated this prayer in uh, what was known as Palestinian Aramaic. But Matthew, where we're reading this morning, Matthew, Matthew's call was primarily among uh, the early Jewish communities of his day. He's pointing to Jesus as king uh, for lots of reasons throughout his gospel. And he translated the prayer into Galilean Aramaic. The prayer also parallels the Ten Commandments in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. We see that the early uh, Ten Commandments uh, that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai actually are laid out. Uh, the first few lines speak of our relationship to God. And the final six commandments speak to our relationship with ourselves and others around us. It's that relationship in each direction that the Ten Commandments lay out. Jesus said himself, I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so when his disciples turn to him and they say, teach us to pray, he lays out what would have been some common phrases of their day. Jesus wasn't necessarily introducing something entirely new in this prayer. Our Father in heaven was a common prayer of their day. But this time, he's introducing something different through these common words. He's introducing another element of who he is and what he's calling his church to. What's unbelievable about these nuances culturally is that the gospel writers were so intentional, so precise, that they were actually tuned in to the local context and culture around them. They honored culture. They drew out that culture. They celebrated culture. And they communicated within those cultures the beautiful wonderment of the good news of Jesus the Christ. This is incredible to me, that the Lord's Prayer is actually this nuanced and this specific across cultural lines. 
And I just want to invite us today, as we pray this prayer out loud, this is, this is the prayer that throughout the last two millennia, in the words of Dave Bolfman, prayer, this prayer is like a refraction. It's like it's Christ is light, and the prayer is light, brought back within us, Christ in us, who shapes us and shows us how to see the world around us, how to understand and see the character of God shaping not only how we see outwardly, but how we actually bring ourselves into fuller self-awareness as well. This prayer is meant to shape us. The pattern of this prayer, then, is to shape the pattern of our lives. This prayer is that significant. And so, we look at this prayer and we see, similar to the Ten Commandments, the first few lines begin with who God is, the character of God, the wonderment of God. And, it, and, it, and, we, and we see the name of God. And before, before we get to the other practical elements of the prayer, we, we begin with who God is. And then the, the following lines begin to break down our relationship, again, just like the Ten Commandments, our relationship with others and ourselves and the environment around us. It's an incredible parallel as that we see in this Lord's Prayer. And so I'm going to pray it one more time. Imagine Jesus standing on the mountainside. This is all a part of what's known as the greatest sermon ever by Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And so he's mapped out the Beatitudes, and he's, he's teaching what his kingdom is like and what God is like. And then he gets to the prayer, and he says, uh, this then is how you should pray. Don't pray to show off. Don't pray to, to, to draw attention to ourselves. Don't pray. He's, some, there are lots of people doing that on the street corners. This prayer is also not meant to be prescriptive, like we have to pray this way every time. It's much more descriptive as, a, as an ancient guide in the words of Jesus. These are the words of God being prayed back to God. And so in many ways, if we're lost, if we feel stumped or we're struggling with something, or maybe there's something in your life that you're just, you're facing, you're dealing with, you're, you're caring. You go, I need, I need a starting point. Can you hear the, the disciples? God, will you help me? I don't know how to pray. Life is too heavy. Or, or, or maybe you're just carrying something that uh, could have been a lot worse, but it's just one of those things that gets under your skin. Like as an example, uh, several months ago, my wife, Melissa, um, stopped on a road here in, in the city to assist someone. She saw a pretty severe accident right in front of um, our truck. And so she got out to go assist the families. And what she didn't know is as she got out to go assist the families uh, in this accident, someone came in behind her who saw her get out of the truck and thought, this is a convenient time to go in and steal this lady's purse. So that's exactly, so she turns around trying to help someone and all of her belongings are, are gone, right? It could have been a lot worse. There are a lot of bigger, a lot of other things that are, that are much bigger going on in the world today. So that's a small example to say, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're facing, this is a, about the most significant prayer we could, we could look to 
and the words of Jesus, praying God's words back to God's self. And that those words would transform our lives like ever before. And so Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're going to focus for a few minutes on this phrase. Now, in the words of Justo Gonzalez, he actually, in his scholarship, actually says, actually, the Greek reverses those words. And many ancient Christians prayed the two first words in reverse, that the prayer actually begins with the word Father. It doesn't begin with us. Isn't that true of the world? That we're not the center of the story. It doesn't begin with our. It begins with the name of God. It begins with the one who sustains our life, holds us, and created all things. This is the beginning. This is an ideology. This is an acknowledgement that before we get to anything practical in our lives, we remember that the grace of God that woke us up this morning to enjoy the sunshine outside is but the grace of the one who created all things. The prayer then begins with Father, our in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, God isn't gender, right? God created both the masculine and the feminine soul. God fathers us, and the scriptures indicate that, like in the words of Jesus, I long to gather you like a hen among, with, with her chicks. God fathers us and mothers us. But in the ancient world, the word Father or Abba or Lord would have been significant because it, 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 even, even today, uh, the male father figure is significant in the family life. To acknowledge God as Father is to acknowledge our allegiance that our earthly fathers and our earthly mothers are a gift from God. We're all born into a certain context and, 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 and with a family that we, we, we experience and hopefully love. And, and some of us, though, have, have felt wounded in various ways. I've been there. And, and maybe today you're feeling a certain wound or you're, you're, you're carrying something into the Zoom room or, or, or around your home. And, and, and we want to invite you in real time. If you just want to pray out loud in the chat, um, Wherever you feel it's most appropriate, you could, you could pray, uh, I'm struggling with anxiousness or worry or I'm facing joblessness or a loved one is hurting or I'm carrying ABC. We are a part of each other. And this prayer is a communal prayer. The prayer isn't my father. The prayer is our father in heaven. Now, at the same time, if you'd like to pray off to the side, personally, we, we have people available even right now in real time who'd love to pray with you. And you could, you could write, again, to prayer at warehouse242.org. We would love to pray for you. So, but feel free to express your prayers out loud, and we would love to actually pray in return out loud through the chat room, and, and I'll keep teaching as, as we go here. So, our Father, we acknowledge that God 
the Father. The scriptures say in other parts, be holy for your Father is holy. There are many scriptures that speak to, to, to who God is. And, 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 and God, as, as the one who, as Kurt spoke to last week, the one who parents us and guides us, directs us, that this loving Father is the one who, who holds us and calls us to God's self. An invitation to remember that apart from God, what would we be? Where would we be? I can't imagine my life without the good news of knowing and following Jesus. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Our is an interesting term, isn't it? This is an invitation, this prayer. This prayer is not only an invitation to remember who God is, it's an invitation to our allegiance. We're saying, we belong to you, God. And we know that in your scripture, you say you belong to us. And in the term our, we also belong to one another. We belong to each other and we call one another among Christians, all around the world, our Father. We belong to each other. We're meant to carry each other, not talk behind each other's backs or hurt one another unintentionally, or perhaps we, no, we're, not, we're not meant to, to, to uh, ignore one another or, or isolate ourselves from one another. We belong to one another. And the prayer here is a call to acknowledge the character of who God is. The call of this prayer is a prayer of allegiance that God, we belong to you and to each other and our allegiance is to you and to you alone. Our first allegiance then, as the prayer lays out, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom, your kingdom. Our first allegiance is to God himself, God who, who made all things. Our first allegiance then also includes this belonging with the body of Christ, the community of those who follow Jesus. There's a lot of things going on these days where many people are putting their allegiance in other things, small g gods and idols, even dipping into Christian nationalism. But this prayer is not an allegiance to anything or anyone else except Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus who praised these words and says, these are the words that I offer you. If you want to know how to pray and where I'm calling you to follow, pray these words. So this prayer is a call to God's character. It's a, it's a call to our first allegiance to Christ and his kingdom above all other gods and idols. What idols is God calling us to lay down today? In heaven, the term is in the heavens. It, it, it stems to the, to the presence of God, to the wonderment of God. 
that, that perhaps uh, the heavens and the earth are much closer than we often interpret things. As the prayer says, on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer then indicates that it's not necessarily like the heavens are somewhere out in outer space and we're down here alone, kind of just fend for ourselves, but, but that the presence of God actually through Christ coming, through the presence of his Holy Spirit, enters into our world, into this situation that we find ourselves in, into the pain, into the context of what we see and experience every day, that the presence of God can be experienced and entered into right where you're sitting in your garages or your living rooms or wherever we are today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy, holy, holy are you God. What a reminder that the name capital N is the one who carries us. As we carry the name capital N into the world to be salt and light, to live out the fruits of the Holy Spirit, to understand what it looks like to be kind and to work for the good of the common good, that we were created for good works, not so that we could boast, but it's all God's grace that when we say yes to God, we are shaped, we're formed, we're called, we're transformed to continue to lean in, to, 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 to live into this prayer. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. Holiness gets a bad rap. Holiness sometimes is seen as something that's like, well, holier than thou or, or something or, or whatever people have in their heads. But holiness is to be separated out for a purpose in order to call the world back to God's self. And to live with such an intentionality that we would say, God, take everything, every part of my life, every part of this body called 242 and shape us toward your character, your love, and your hope in this world, shaped by justice, mercy, and humility, that we would live with an open-handed kind of love that would say, God, help us along. You are holy, and many times we don't feel very holy, but yet it says, be holy, for your heavenly Father is holy. We're quoting Hebrews there. And so holiness perhaps is more like not so much as separateness, like, well, God is holy and we're over here and we're struggling, but it's an invitation, almost like a conjunction. It's, it's meant to merge us, union. It's a communion. It's an invitation to say, our Father in the heavens, holy is your name. And we acknowledge that your name carries us as we carry your name into the world. And we hollow God's name when we live for God, when we live out the rest of this prayer toward the love of neighbor. We hollow God's name when we pursue God's heart into the streets. We hollow God's name when we love our children well and we listen when they're hurting. 
We hollow God's name when we trust God with our future, when we have no idea where it's all headed. We hollow God's name when we're hurting in our, the corner of our living room, when we flip off this screen, and I know some of us are hurting, and you and I can hollow God's name when we acknowledge you are God, we are not, and we choose to trust you no matter what. Holy is your name. As I end, I would just point out that this prayer is, again, not just a, an external expression of words, but that Jesus himself is the full embodiment of this prayer. That this prayer, as Jesus said in other texts, I came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. And so Christ himself prayed to the Father, the authority of God to shape his life, to lead his life. He called people around him to the holiness of God, to the kingdom reality that Jesus came to establish, the new kind of family in the world that Jesus had in mind. And Jesus prayed himself in the Garden of Gethsemane, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That phrase there, he lived out and embodied among all sorts of people from all sorts of backgrounds, constantly getting himself in trouble, that he was somehow accused of hanging out with the wrong people at the wrong times. And Jesus, of course, himself is the living bread. He offers good news and eternal life that begins here and now through himself. And it's because he took himself to a cross and laid his life down. He is the one who forgives our sins and our debts as we look to forgive others. And he is the one who was tempted in the desert and without sin lived into his calling and calls us to do the same. And so Jesus actually embodies this prayer. This prayer actually is the good news of Jesus himself. And as we shift toward communion now, let us remember that we are called to live out this prayer as well, that the patterns of this prayer are meant to shape the patterns of our lives. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.